This is Strategy That Works, where we discuss practical solutions to companies' most complex challenges. I'm your host, Robert Amberg, Chief Marketing Officer at JVM Consulting. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we're talking about diversity and inclusion in the workplace, what it means and how businesses are adapting their practices to see positive results in employee satisfaction, retention, and profitability. We're joined by senior managers Amber Baird and Aaron Smith, and also director Winston Poe, all with JBN Consulting. Everyone, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having Thank us. You. Thank you. Cool. So let's dive right in. What do we really mean by diversity and inclusion in the workplace? It's a great question. We like to think about diversity and inclusion is as a way that you can be more diverse in terms of your population, but then also make sure that each of those people has a voice to speak up, a voice to voice dissent, and make sure that they are bringing their true and authentic selves to work. Yep. I think um, a lot of people think of, they hear the, the word diversity and they think, you know, black, white, and and really it's more than that. You know, and if you look at the piece of inclusion, you know, you're looking at backgrounds, where people come from, you're looking at, you know, working moms, working dads, and really making sure that everybody feels comfortable, everybody feels like they have a voice at the table. Okay. And so uh, you kind of alluded to this, but inclusion sometimes gets overlooked when talking about uh, diversity and inclusion. Um, so how, how can, can, can you expand a little bit on what inclusion means and, and how, how can business leaders build an inclusive culture? Uh, actually, it's a great question, um, and it just reminds me of uh, a time we <clears throat> recently had a forum where um, you know we had a similar question that was asked to us. Um, it's a little bit different, uh, whereas they asked, uh, "Why should inclusion be a part of inclusion and diversity?" And you know, it just goes uh, kind of go together, right? You know, it's it's one of the things that. Uh, struck a chord with Amber <laughs> effectively <laughs> during that session. And she just gave uh, an amazing answer to that. Um, and it was, it was, it was really an awesome sight to see. <laughs> Amber, could you talk a little bit about sure. the answer you, uh, you provided them? So what I actually brought it back to was the word feminism, which has been a, obviously in the news quite a bit recently, but also has turned into a bit of a hot button word where you don't want to say it like, well, how can we say feminism without saying it? So like equality or something of that nature, but words actually matter. So when you use the words inclusion and diversity and you champion those things and lift them up, then you are taking a stand as your own personal self and saying, this is something that matters to me and this is something that's important. So you want to dive into the inclusion part because just because you have focused on getting different people in the workplace, the working moms, the working dads, people of lower socioeconomic backgrounds, doesn't mean that they're going to thrive and that they're going to help make your company better. So it's something that's really important to focus in on that inclusion portion because diversity is just the first step and then inclusion is everything that happens afterwards. And so what, what are some of those ways that the companies, I, I, th I feel like a lot of companies probably uh, aspire to be inclusive or, or say, you know, we're, we're here for everyone. But, um, you know, it's a lot to think about when, you, when, you're, when you're trying not to um, actively uh, disenfranchise someone from having the same opportunity in the workplace, whether they're, um, uh, whether they have a disability or whether they, for, for whatever reason, um, you know, how, what are, what are some of those steps companies can do? Is there like an audit they do about here's our, here's our physical space, here's our meeting type, here's our, uh, leadership style. Like what, what, what are some of those steps? Yeah. So I think part of it is definitely an audit and, but uh, more of it is 
truly thinking about who your employees are and talking with them, listening to them. So what would make Aaron feel comfortable in a way that would make Winston feel comfortable in a way that would make Amber feel comfortable. So all three of us have different needs and different backgrounds. So you have to really put yourself in each of our shoes and other people, people with disabilities, et cetera, and what would be their individual challenges and how can you help to overcome those challenges? And also listening to your employees, right? We talk about employee engagement. We talk about, we do surveys um, and just talking, focus groups, Things like that. Those are other ways to gauge. You know, do employees feel empowered if they're if they're sitting in a room full of executives? Do they feel empowered to speak up, or do they feel like they're going to get overlooked? So things like that to measure employee engagement also help to to you know understand how inclusive your company is. Understanding if you're moving in the right direction. Okay, and so from an internal and external standpoint. Uh, you know, h- how are they practically looking at it from both like hiring practices through um, customer experience? Sure. So um, in terms of hiring practices, um, a lot of people, a lot of companies tend to, you know, stop there. They look at a key metric to say, OK, you know, we're going to hit this threshold of hiring X amount of you know, this type of employee or, you know, X percent of female employees or we're going to promote X uh, this amount of um, female employees or whatever the example, whatever that KPI is. <clears throat> and oftentimes, you know, that's a, a, a metric that they're trying to, you know, hit and show, okay, we've made progress in DNI. And it's much more than that. And, right? then, the, and then no it, one looks again. Exactly. Yeah. And then nobody looks again. They've hit that target. That's it. Fight their hands. Um, and, and, you know, as, as Amber and Aaron were talking about, it's, it's much more than that. It's about the education. It's about, you know, making that individual and making that, that, that group feel comfortable. Um, and, and continuing to have those conversations, um, you know, in and around the workplace. And that's also, as you talk about the, the internal and external portion. So the goal with internal inclusion is that it leads to external improvements. So Erin um, actually can talk more about this. One of her friends it works in diversity and inclusion at a large retailer, and we had that person come here and talk with us. And they'd had kind of a PR disaster that had happened where they had a a fairly racist image that was shared as part of an advertisement, even though they are a very diverse company. But along the way, there were just little things that were dropped from the time the picture was taken, the advertisement was set up all the way through printing, where no one really spoke up, even though, again, it's a very diverse company. So they are diverse but maybe not as inclusive as they needed to be because at any point, someone should have said, let's take a step back and realize that this is pretty historically racist imagery and not actually publish this as part of our platform. So p- the more people are included and the more people have that voice that Aaron was mentioning, the better your customer experience is going to be because you know what your customer is going to perceive when they see your output. Mm-hmm. And I I, uh, I think that's a good, a good, very good point to make. And um Winston, you had mentioned, uh, uh, you know, kind of checking the box and companies that potentially do things just to meet a, a KPI or such. But uh, to your point, I think I know what example you were talking about. Um, you know, it, it becomes both a risk management, it becomes a, a public relations, I think you said, you know, a, a marketing and ultimately a, a, a customer experience issue um, when things like this happen. And so, especially with the advent of, social media and the, the speed at which things can can travel someone can get uh called out or uh, rightfully or wrongfully i should add um and uh perceptions are are formed you know um how has that really changed do you think or do you think that has changed 
companies' perceptions of DNI practices and, and their attention to it? Absolutely. I mean, I think as we've seen, a lot of this stuff has been very reactive, and now companies are trying to be more proactive, right? So, so they're starting to incorporate these DNI practices. They're starting to make sure that they've got you know people at the table who feel empowered to say, "Huh, maybe this shouldn't have made it out the door." They're understanding the power of social media. And, and markets and, and understanding that social media is an international market. It, you know, it's not U.S. based. And, and the, the example that Amber talked about, you know, with the retailer, you know, this started off, you know, over in a U.K. based market. Right. And it wasn't until somebody, you know, in the U.S. posted about it or tweeted about it that it, it blew up. So so really understanding that impact, you know, one tweet could could take your your company down yeah. um, in a matter of seconds. And I think companies are, are realizing that. Um, and I think they, they can use it to their advantage as well, right? So Yeah, I, I was just gonna say, I think you know, a lot of companies might hear something like that and be be scared about the impact of social media uh, or the, the speed of that message going around. But at the same time, like you said, it is an absolute advantage if you can get it right. Um, and I think, um, you know, a lot of companies, as, as many companies, they, I think they understand it. And I think the, these leaders of, of these companies understand the challenge. Um, I, I think also that um, they may not necessarily understand what, what direction they should go in. And I think that's a, an opportunity uh, for us to figure out or to, to, to develop some thought leadership uh, in that space and, and to give some of these companies um, guidance or some some suggestions or even a, a playbook on, on on how to tackle those types of, of challenges. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we're seeing more, uh, I, I think we're seeing an increase in the amount of um, advertising that companies are doing where they're trying to take a proactive approach to that. Um, I, ironically, this morning uh, on my, my Facebook memories popped up, I'd shared a, a uh, commercial from I think a year or two ago uh, from Guinness, uh, Guinness beer. And uh, the commercial kind of took every uh, beer ad you would think of and kind of turned it on its head. And it was uh, six uh, men uh, playing basketball uh, and they were, it was three on three, but they were all in wheelchairs and they were, and it was highly competitive, very physical, a um, bunch of friends out there, you know, uh, it, diverse crowd. Um, you know, really getting after it. And then all of a sudden the, the game ends and five of the six get out of their wheelchairs, stand up, oh, walk out that. of the gym. Mm. Yeah, it was awesome. Right. And, and with they, so they were trying to be inclusive of their friend and then they end up, end up at a beer and, uh, you know, the, the tagline was something about, uh, you know, strength unites us or something yeah. like that. And, and it was just a very powerful ad and unlike anything uh, Guinness had certainly ever run and, and unlike any beer ad. And um, I think at the time they were saying how much of an impact it had. And you could see that impact with, beer sales. You know, I don't think they did it for an increase in beer sales. I think that's a nice ancillary benefit, but, you know, it just shows the the progressive thinking of that company. And, and, uh, it was just a very powerful ad. So, um, well, and that's a really great point is the, the sales because people these days, um, mostly the kind of the younger generations want to spend their money with companies that they, th- that they feel, um, empower their value or embody their values rather. So when you are seeing that portrayed in an advertisement, um, you know, Nike has come out for equal pay for the, the female soccer team, um, the, the, the U.S. national soccer team, also highly promoting Serena Williams um, and a lot of these other really powerful female athletes. And they're saying, and, and also they're, um, they're not, 
I guess there's a word for it I can't quite come up with, but basically penalizing them for getting pregnant uh, in the past that they had lost their sponsorship if they were pregnant for a certain period of time and didn't, didn't actually work. So they're taking those sorts of measures. And that makes someone like me who spends money on activewear sometimes like, oh, maybe, maybe Nike someplace I should spend my dollars to show them that I appreciate these stands that they're making. So people are trying to do that these days, again, specifically the younger generations. And so I do think that companies know that. And that speaks to everyone's point that there's a big opportunity there to increase your customer sales and your cust- by improving the customer experience that mm-hmm. these people actually want. So talk a little bit more about the the strategic advantage that companies can can kind of seize on uh, if they leverage DNI correctly. Yeah, I mean you're you're pulling in a market share, right? You're pulling in untapped markets. Um, some of the examples that Amber talked about, um, and actually we we wrote an article on this, um, and you know just talking about Rihanna came out with with Fenty Foundation, mm-hmm. right? And if you looked before, you know, many foundation shades didn't match women of color, right? Almost you know, there it's yeah, like it was two almost, brands. Yeah, like almost non existent. And Rihanna comes out with this Fenty foundation and and takes off and I can't remember the amount of sales. I don't remember it was a hundred million dollars in a month and four hundred million dollars in a year, which is yeah. unheard of for a new foundation company. Yeah. And and so now other of course now other makeup companies are are seeing that and saying, Okay, well, you know, women of color are spending money on on makeup and, and you know, we need to be able to cater to them. Um so, you know, some of the other things we talked about were, you know, in the fashion industry and catering to, you know, plus size, the plus size market. Right. So, you know, a lot of designers didn't want to cater to that market. And, you know, there were certain designers that came out and said, OK, well, you know, well, we will. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, they've, they've seen it take off. So, I mean, it, it's definitely impacting the bottom line. Right. And, and, and you know, in addition to that, it's, it's just the right thing to do. Right. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we think diversity is important for its own sake, as is inclusion. But we're in a capitalist economy, so business business cases matter. So you are increasing your customer base. So the strategic advantage is the fact that you can sell to more people if more people are able to and want to use your product. Sure, absolutely. And, and not just uh, product enhancements. I think you're also looking at architecture changes, you know, absolutely. store design mm-hmm. yeah. uh, from like uh, a wheelchair bound person, you know, reaching something or, or not being able to reach something. Um, the width of the aisles and, you know, the ADA does take care of some of this, but a lot, there's even more beyond that. So if you are in a, uh, have an establishment, do you have a sink that's a little bit lower for people of shorter stature? I mean, also children could use it, but there's a lot of places that don't cater to children that also someone who's not that tall might use. Or we talk a lot about gender neutral restrooms. Um, I know Winston, you have children. You can probably talk about this one. Oh, I've been that guy to uh, be, be in there with <laughs> in the store with all those kids and oh rats i need to change my daughter's diaper you know well i don't really feel comfortable you know taking her into the men's room so you know what do i do right um we also talk about the opportunity in the article around um in the hospitality space yep right where um you have actual an actual Talk about the, the toiletries. Uh, no, this was specifically about the toiletries. Exactly. Yeah. It was a t- <laughs> I was thinking it was in quite a bit more words, but just around the toiletries and yep. just being, you know, having toiletries uh, around um, that would cater to um, women of color or mm-hmm. women with different 
or, or different hairstyles or different, not different hairstyles, but different hair, types. Uh, hair yeah. textures, yeah. not right? straight hair, basically. Exactly. Right. And yeah. so, um, you know, those are opportunities that still exist. Yeah. And that's uh, important now that a lot of companies like um, I know IHG and Marriott have both gone away from the mini uh, individual toiletry bottles. Now they're just doing large toiletry bottles that are fixed in the hotel room. Um, cost savings, of course, but also environmental impact. But then when you don't have the ability to have small change it, the small containers you can change out, like what do you do then? Do you have another bottle that you could provide for them behind the counter? Like how do you be environmentally conscious but still cater to your customers who don't have straight hair, basically? Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. Um, so with all these with all these uh, changes and all these uh uh, different different things that companies can do. Um, what kind of you know we we love to measure everything, right? So uh, it's not successful if we can't measure it. Uh, what what type of measurement uh, is needed to make sure that you can can track and progress and uh, really show uh, progress? Yeah, I mean, I think you know we've gone back to to surveys mm -hmm. again, um, measuring employee engagement, employee satisfaction. Um, I think, you know, one of the other things that I, I think about, too, is, you know, as companies look to, like, recruiting, right, you know, if your employees aren't happy, they're not going to tell their friends about, mm -hmm. you know, the company. They're, they're not. So, you know, being able to promote within, I think I think those measure, you know, very highly. Um, we talked, you know, we're starting to work on, you know, certain types of maturity models. So, you know, looking at different factors across the board. I think, um, Amber, I don't know if you want to touch on some of the additional yeah, ones. Yeah, absolutely. So you could have org charts that are set up. Where they, you have people who are being promoted. You see opportunities for promotion. So that's a metric that you can measure is how are you moving your people of color, your women, um, your people with disabilities through the organization? Are you you're hiring them in? That's great. But what level do they net out at? Are they all at the entry level or middle management level? Do you have people in leadership? Um, with your sales, you can look at your customer base when you do your, your customer engagement surveys and your and your customer personas who are those people and how are you increasing your customer base by increasing your customer types um, and then of course it goes back to the employee engagement surveys like those are some really nice tangible things that you can focus in on what your pain points are and actually uh, and actually manage them um, and then who who within your company understands your DNI goals and can they speak to it and it, from within that maturity model Aaron was mentioning it will pretty much go from aware, maybe word of mouth, all the way to any person in your organization should be able to articulate how you are approaching diversity and inclusion and why it's important to the company. So so let's uh, talk about the, the maturity model. Uh, let's talk about the very beginning of that maturity model, right? So if you're if you're a leader just starting out, you're you're looking at your company and you're saying, we we have a DNI problem um, or I, I want to focus on this. What are those initial actions? that you can recommend someone take to to start on that uh, journey? The first thing, I'm gonna let them handle the answer this one after me, but the first thing is listen. Talk to your people and listen. It's there's we are we as consultants and I think we as people are so inclined to talk and you know, make our voices heard and fill in the silence. It's like no, no, no. First, ask the question and listen to your people. What are their issues? What are their pain points? And how can you be better? And then go from there. Yeah. I mean even look, like look around. Do, you know, if you're sitting at the table with, you know, people in your company, do, do you guys look diverse? Does everybody look the same? Look at your literature. Um, it, does your literature all look the same? Or, you know, does everybody on, on the front cover of all of your, you know, your publications or, or your advertisements that you're putting out all look the same? Um, I mean, it, it definitely starts from within. 
I think, you know, Amber said, listen, I'm, I'm saying, you know, look around and, and see. Yeah, and I'd echo the same sentiment. Um, and it's also, you know, a lot of companies are not necessarily starting from scratch, right? They, they may have affinity groups. They may have uh, programs and organizations that with a DNI focus. Um, engage those people. And, and yeah, and, and, and they can engage with those individuals. But, you know, you, you can also start there by evaluating what you have. Uh, and, and understanding the, the success or not success or lack of success that you would have in the existing programs um, and do an audit against uh, those programs. Also, one of the things is read up, study. There's all sorts of literature out there. There are podcasts, there are books, there are articles, and people are really leaning into this concept right now. And it's pretty easy to go out there and do some like brief education because one thing that it's important to do is that you don't rely on the marginalized people within your organization to teach you how to be a better a better ally, a better person, because trust me, they're doing a lot of work outside of your company already. So you want to make sure that you're at least bringing to the table a really good faith effort to do as much as you can internally within yourself, focusing on where your biases are and how you can be better, and then bring that to your leadership team, to your peer group, uh, and then within the organization as well. Yeah. And it has to be genuine too. You yes. know, as, as a leader it starts at the top, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's not one of those, a lot of people hear diversity and inclusion and bundle it with HR and it's like, all right, we've got it, let's check the box, right? But if the leaders aren't passionate about it, it's, it shows and it'll show in the employees. So, you know, from a, from a leader's perspective, really being genuine about it, really understanding, understanding different cultures, understanding your people, um, and then it'll trickle down mm-hmm. from there. Absolutely, so, yeah. And be willing to know that you're going to make some mistakes. But if you're coming to it with the right, the right heart, the right, um, the the right frame of mind, then you know, those mistakes will be forgiven probably. And at least it will be a, a point of topic of conversation. That it's a learning moment. It's a teaching moment. It's not a catastrophic failure because you were kind of faking your way through it. Awesome. Well, uh, everyone, thank you uh, for the conversation. This has been, uh, uh, I think, really eye opening and and uh, impactful. I think there's a lot of different aspects of this topic uh we could talk for hours on this and i think that uh as companies as you mentioned you know are uh focusing more on this i think they're only going to realize the the benefits not just from a this is a great humanity thing to do but there are there are business benefits and you know if one thing drives business we know it's business benefits so, <laughs> uh, very true so winston aaron amber thank you very much for being here today thank Thanks. you Thanks.